and welcome to Screen Babble, your guide to what to watch. We'll be tuning into hours and hours of TV so we can tell you what to be switching on and what's to be avoided. I'm your host, Kelly Crichton, and once again this week, I'm joined by Alex Moreland and Stephen Ross, our resident TV critics who go to extreme lengths to bring you the latest in TV and film. This week, they may even arm wrestle to settle which film will be better, Barbie or Oppenheimer. If you haven't tuned in before, each week we'll be chatting about what we're watching, as well as looking more closely at a new programme or something making the headlines in the deep dive. Dive? Deep dive. (laughs) This week, Alex tells us about new tennis drama, 15 Love, as well as bringing us an interview with none other than Aidan Turner, a.k.a whole dark to many. Finally, we go back to the future to tell you about a program you may have missed when it first aired or streamed. This week, Stephen tells us about Con Man. But first, we'd like to talk about what we've been watching. Stephen, do you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I love that chipper attitude. <laughs> yes, I'll go first. Um, I watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Is that the really new one? Is that the... No. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Is it yeah, in the cinema? Yeah, not very good. Oh, I yeah. didn't realise. Okay, sorry. <laughs> not very good. No. Oh, as in comparing it to other Indiana Jones or... Well, it was better than Crystal Skull, just about. Okay. Um, right. You know how the first Indiana Jones movie, there's that like famous thing where if Indiana Jones hadn't been there, the Nazis still would have just got the Ark of the Covenant and melted their faces, so he didn't really do anything. Uh-huh. Same thing here. If Indiana Jones hadn't been in the movie, the bad guys still would have defeated themselves through their own stupidity. So, okay, okay. I don't know if that was a homage. Is that kind of a nod to the fact that he's an archaeologist and not a superhero, though? Is that the kind of, you know... Maybe, but it also was a totally self-defeating yeah. film, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it was just a bit silly and a bit... I mean, I've always thought this about the Indiana Jones films, is that they're a bit too suspension of disbeliefy and a bit too, like, um, Fast and the Furious in their, like, <laughs> sense of physics. I feel like maybe you shouldn't have bothered with it, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was it was relatively fun. Phoebe Waller-Bridge was pretty good in it. Oh, yeah. Um, the de-aging on Harrison Ford was quite good. The, the main problem I had with it was that the first, like, 20 minutes, the opening scene was, I thought, pretty fantastic. Mm. And, and it was it downhill never, from there, yeah. Yeah, never lived up to that again. Oh, boo. So what? what's the full title of it, this one? Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Okay, all right. I probably still would watch it, though, because <laughs> it's Indiana Jones, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, it's... and like when it goes like... Da, 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 yeah. Da, da, then you're like, oh, fucking Yay. hell, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, fair enough. Did you ever watch the... the TV show version. No, I didn't. Whereas the, oh, that would have been a good Back to the Future tie-in. Why? Maybe Young Indiana. Young Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I loved that when I was a teenager. Oh my God. Yeah, weird. That's weird. I forgot it even existed. Okay, cool. Uh, right, over to you, Alex. What have you been watching? Okay. Um, a lot of the usual stuff, everyone can guess. Um, still hot and catch yep. fire. Nearly done with it, but <laughs> spacing it out some more. <laughs> Um, but but so I would have something new to talk about. I started watching Champion last oh. night, uh, which is it's on BBC mm. One. It is a drama about sort of these these two siblings. Uh, they're two musicians. Mm-hmm. One of them is sort of very much in the limelight. The other one is his kind of underappreciated, unofficial manager, mm. I suppose. Um, and eventually she just sort of starts 
getting sick of being so underappreciated mm. by him and starts trying to launch her own music career. Mm. Um, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a sort of a solid, solid start to the series. It gets the sort of the dynamic between the two siblings is is very well done, I thought. Mm. Strong performances. Yeah, enjoying that. Cool. Where's that on? BBC One? Yeah, BBC One, iPlayer, eight episodes. Oh. It's by Candice Carty-Williams, who is a novelist, and this is her first kind of TV mm. show. Um, and I've also been watching Dreaming Whilst Black, which is going to be on BBC Three next week, but I am... Not sure if I can say anything okay, about that. Okay, maybe yet. I maybe checked. give us an hour update on that next yeah, week. We'll, yeah, we'll get back to that. But yeah. it's it's one you should have in your calendars. Let's let's nice put it like okay. that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think that's those are the main ones for me. Recently. Yeah, a similar. I've been kind of just trundling along with Taboo and The New Run, and I watched a film at the weekend, uh, The Stranger on Netflix. Uh, have either of you seen it? It's Australian mm-hmm. sort of crime thriller. Uh, it stars Joel Edgerton and Sean Harris. And Sean Harris, I feel, is one of those actors that kind of flies under the radar, but he's so good in this. Oh, my God. So good. It's it's It borders on like a horror at points because it's quite creepy. Um, but it's the story of this kid that goes missing. I think it's set in 2010 and the, and the child went missing in like 2002, based on true story. And it's like a big undercover operation to find the person who kidnapped this kid and presumably killed this kid. And it's quite heavy and quite dark, but like it is, it'll really keep you enthralled. And that thing where you've like, well, I do it all the time where I have to get like hide my eyes because <laughs> you're scared of what's going to happen. Um, and they build the tension really well in it. And because our main character, who's the undercover cop, has a child as well. And obviously that kind of accentuates the whole missing child thing. And because he's undercover, he's kind of in danger all the time. And um, anyway, I was really pleasantly surprised, but I had never heard of it before. It, it only, I think it was in Cannes last year and it's come to Netflix really quickly. So, um, and it's not a super long film. It's like an hour and a half, hour and 40. So would highly recommend that for anybody who's looking for um, a decent watch. Very heavy though, not light. <laughs> um, so yes, just before we move on to the deep dive, Alex, will you talk just a little bit about what's happening with the actors strike in LA because it's kind of all kicked off since last week. So just so listeners have an idea of what it's all about. So a lot of it is, it's sort of kind of basic working condition stuff. Um, the sag after board released this uh, kind of list of their negotiating positions and the responses they got from the uh, the AMPTP, which is the collection of producers and sort of companies that they were negotiating mm. with. Um, and a lot of it is things like, like healthcare, pensions, but also things like sort of adequate provision of like water on set. And, um, oh God, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. And like, so there was um, a thing going around about sort of meal breaks on on long shoots, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so because the the way it works at the minute is there is a penalty if a shoot goes on too long and without giving them a meal break, but that's a, that's like a flat fee. So you okay. get a lot of productions that will, you know, once they've gone Abuse over, they'll, they'll just yeah. keep going because they're like, oh well, we've already paid the two hundred quid or whatever it is. Um, there's other stuff grim, like, isn't it? Yeah. 
like uh, self tapes, which is something the actors want to try and get away from. Uh, that is when they're sort of auditioning at home, like like this, yeah, um, kind of over Zoom or whatever, which was introduced in COVID. And the feeling is that that sort of studio is putting a lot of the cost that goes into auditioning, just just shoving that onto the actors, and okay, which is unreasonable to ask them to bear. And um, also potentially is sort of undermines their performance, like that the, yeah, they were yeah. given person or whatever. Okay, that was that was one of the other things. It was like. Uh, can you make sure we're given X amount of information about the show before the audition? And it was just like, no. Um, uh, looking looking through it, a lot of it is just like rejected, rejected, acknowledged yeah. that we we take ages to pay you on time, but we're not going to change that, rejected. Oh, that God. Because yeah. um, a lot of this is about not your sort of George Clooney's big stars, but the of kind course. of Jabbing actors, actors the, yeah. the people in the background. Um the the sort of the things that have got the most attention, I guess, is residual payments, which is when so an actor has been in something, they've been in it once, they're paid for it once. Every time it's repeated, they should be paid for it again. Okay, which is a big part of how you, you know between auditions how they pay for things. Yeah, that is a, a lot of the previous strikes have been about that. So about maintaining you know, residual payments for DVDs when those came in, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much an issue that the likes of Netflix will take advantage, basically, and not not pay proper residuals, or they'll really kind of squeeze it down. They're very opaque with their sort of viewing data to make sure people don't find out. Mm. Uh, one of the Orange is the New Black actors posted their, like, like a video of their paycheck. So they were like, oh, look, you know, the, here's every episode Oh my yeah. god! I'm going to get such a big payment from this, uh, and for the entirety of the series being streamed on Netflix for the past whatever it is, the past month, past quarter, yeah. all around the world, twenty-seven cents for the full series. Wow! Yeah. yeah, so it is, and and that's one of the sort of like headline stars. Um, and then the other thing, which is kind of become an issue, I think, more than anyone was necessarily expecting is the the sort of the AI performances thing. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. So Where they're kind of contriving their performances out of previous footage. Yeah, yeah. So or generating it entirely. Um, wow. Yeah, that so, must be terrifying for actors like or yeah. anyone using their voice or their face or whatever and what they're doing. Yeah, because that runs the whole sort of spectrum from you, you know, like the big stars being being brought back to life after they're dead. Um, yeah. The the Flash recently was terrible for that, and they mm. they they had one character that was played by uh, no one because it was just a CGI amalgamation of different people. Um, but then it also goes all the way down to to the background actors again. Yeah. There was talk of sort of on the first day a background actor comes to set, they'll be scanned once. And that's mm-hmm. it. They can be populated in the background, oh, ongoing gosh. forever, uh, which would be a oh, huge for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's the strike. Um, yeah, and- it's difficult because it's an industry that's in such demand. You know, everybody wants to be an actor or an actress yeah. or whatever in LA, and there's someone lined up right behind you if you won't do the things and if you won't toe the line. You know, so it's it's terrible that they have those. Um, what seem like quite a few of those are quite 
basic conditions mm. really so more power to them but we may be Absolutely. as I said on the previous episode we might be doing a lot more Back to the Future come uh, autumn winter um, cool thank you for that Alex so moving along swiftly uh, we are going to talk about 15 Love which is the new tennis drama and when I hear the words tennis drama I think hmm, maybe not um, tell us yes give us a little yes. summary and then we'll, uh, we'll hear from the lovely Aidan Turner yep the lovely Aidan Turner and Ella Lily Highland who is the other the other of the two leads we, we've got both of them which is excellent terrible, excellent excellent yes so it is about the relationship between a coach and a player that kind of very high level elite tennis based in um, America or UK or no, no, UK it's um, okay. I, I don't want to say Wimbledon because I don't believe that to be correct. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> as, as, as many people will know, um, I am not massively up to date with sports. It's the French Open. <laughs> the French, yeah, that sounds right. I had sports lots and of, thi- Sports and things. Sports yeah. and things. Anything that's not television. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was sending Susanna a lot of very basic questions about like, so what does what does ATP stand for, and, and why <laughs> why is the court red, not green? What does that what mean? Is 15 oh, bless. Me? <laughs> nah, yeah, that I did work out on my own gradually. That's actually a good opportunity to mention that Susanna, who is one of the sports reporters on National World, she will be joining Screen Babble next week, and you'd probably hear a lot more about sport as a result. <laughs> so that'll be good. But yes, Susanna to the rescue uh, for you there, Alex. Yeah. So she was giving you all the tips. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, it's about this this sort of tennis prodigy. Uh, her name is Justine. She's kind of very close to the the top of her game. She has an injury that kind of ends her career. Uh, five years later, she is working as a physiotherapist at this kind of elite tennis school. Newly appointed at the school uh, is her former coach, who is played by Aidan Turner, who uh, his, his name is Glenn, uh, and she is not thrilled to see him back. Uh, and then after, sort of after he kind of takes up the job at the school, she alleges that he had had an inappropriate relationship with her while she was this this kind of young tennis prodigy. Uh, and so it it goes from there, um, mm. I think, is the extent of what I'm allowed to say about it. So not so much tennis then? No, t- tennis is kind of the backdrop yeah, to, okay, good. to that sort of dynamic. Yeah. Oh, but it does, I, I'd say it kind of informs it a lot because it's very much about that sort of high tension environment and also the individuality of it compared to other sports i would say that ella lily highland as justine is, is a fantastic performance um and just trying to think what i can say there, there was a specific worry i had going into it mm. um which it addressed very well and surpassed my expectations so oh. i was i was pleased with it on on those grounds but cool. i don't think i can tell you what that is Okay. Can you tell us um, where and when it's on, etc.? Amazon Prime Video from Friday the 21st of July. Okay, so we're going to hear from you talking to Aidan Turner and Ella Lily Highland now. So just to sort of set the scene, I guess, kind of briefly, what was it that sort of drew you to the show in the first place? Why was it something you wanted to be involved in? Yeah, I was just completely drawn to um, Justine and her athleticism and sort of like primal instinct and the idea of like playing an athlete, both 
as a person, not an athlete, and her when she's playing tennis. Um, and I think the episodes and the writing is has such a momentum and such an excitement that it just like felt like very, yeah, like I was like, I really want to do this. Um, yeah. Mm. I I I just I love the scripts when I read them. I, I thought they were really well written. I, I think it's a delicate story to tell. I, I think it, there's a world where it can be done quite clumsily, maybe. Um, but I think Hanya has done such a great job. They've, they're they're smart uh, and I think really nuanced. I think the characters are really well explored. Um, you know, when I was reading it, reading obviously you, as an actor, you look at you, the whole, the bigger picture, obviously, but but then you start to sort of hone in on your character and and where they lie in this world. And I thought he was a really interesting character, very layered, lots of different sides to Glenn. Um, he has like his the public face and a private one, and and then a very private one. Um, and I thought to juggle all those attributes of his character uh, and to create like a a, a fluid a flow with, with with his character through the show and that arc. And that journey he's on will be really challenging. Um, but yeah, I just thought the whole piece worked, you know, it's uh, and, and and it's rare that you sort of do something these days, I suppose, where you're it just it lies in itself as a miniseries. You know, it, there isn't it's not you're not sort of tying little bows around certain things for a series two or for like it, it, the entirety of of our story is is held in, in, in these episodes. So I thought that was quite alluring to um yeah. So the sort of the, I guess the spine of the series is sort of the relationship between your two characters. I was wondering what your sort of what your working relationships like, but also how how do you say I suppose your sort of performances influence each other, if that makes sense. I, I feel like a huge kind of aspect that I found really intriguing about it was the idea of like an individual sport and that kind of coach player relationship and that um very like intimate and personal language that is shared in that space especially with that athletes performing at such a high level um and I guess like yeah like a lot of it is like there is a power dynamic there and there is a lot of faith put in that person who is coaching and probably similarly there's a lot of faith that the coach is putting in the athlete and I think like that was probably the jumping point for like finding their dynamic together and that kind of shared language and shared goal that they had which is like really specific and um intimate in itself and then yeah and then I thought you were asking something like as actors how do we sort of how how do we work together and influence each yeah. other yeah right um I, yeah I I think I mean massively so you know Ella is is anchoring this and and Justine but Ella is is anchoring this show um so you know she's in pretty much I think uh, uh, I would think nearly all of the scenes which is a huge amount of work for an actor to take on and your head is all over the place on any given moment because you're trying to you're following the story and in intricate detail crafting your way through this entire series but on a day you could be shooting scenes out of order in many different ways and stuff so I guess um for me I was really inspired to see somebody hold the space so well in the way you did your level of concentration that I found really inspiring like working with you um it felt like I was working with somebody who had done this many 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 times before and I know that you haven't so I was really in awe of that 
Um, and your talent just as an actor, I think, um, was kind of blown me away. Everything from just the way you crafted her character, but then like your even small things like we're both Irish, obviously, and like your accent is so specific and flawless, like just brilliant, um, brilliant moments uh, uh, that you brought to to Justine. So that was inspiring uh, for me as an actor to work with somebody who just brings so much on a daily basis because um, then everyone has to up their game, you know. Um, I, I also felt like we we had to do such difficult scenes and I feel like we actually like I felt very lucky to have this because this is kind of my first experience with a role this big and like I guess like working for this long and like working on a story that's like six episodes like it's six hours of of TV and I felt like we kind of just like had loads of fun with it even though it was difficult like we laughed loads and and there was an ease that we found together that I felt like really lucky to have because you know I think it is rare as well like you know like there's so many stories of like how like different approaches work or don't work with with actors and stuff and I just felt like we had a lot of fun with it yeah and the story is so dark that we had like we just laughed loads. Like yeah. We were always messing yeah. and laughing. And I think that's that was a way of like creatively finding the truth and yeah. authenticity in the scene. I think if yeah. you, you know, sometimes if if the room is so dark, you know, you just you you can't let any light in, and then you're not really expressing the story as it should be. Sometimes it just becomes this heavy, dark, difficult thing that really doesn't have any resolve or answers or something. So I think even unintentionally or subconsciously or something, we shared a thing that Mm. just as you said, like we, I think we kept it creative and fun for us, you know, even through some of the darker moments, you know, and we would find the darker elements in it. But I think Mm. to get there creatively, uh, I, I think you have to have, a multitude, mm. plethora of emotions to take you in there as an actor to let you explore the thing you're exploring. And they had like a French, I think, to like always find mm. the friendship element of them. Like I, I remember coming in and being like, I don't know how someone is going to play Glenn. And I, I almost, I found his character reading it before I met you, like really repulsive and really like, you know, I was like, it's going to be difficult to understand that attachment do you know what I mean but I I think like I was always so surprised with how likable he was and how you know much he shone his light on everyone he Mm -hmm. met and how kind of susceptible athletes and and young people and anyone in general is to that and it's a very human thing to be enamored by that light and I think that you have that in spades so like that was made the scenes quite interesting because they could have been played one way like even stuff that I was auditioning with I was like I found there was an aggression to Glenn like that was my instinct I guess from the way I was looking at and for you to not have that aggression like you know yeah but therein lies the danger isn't it because it's somebody who you would trust Mm. and believe and follow um and admire and all, all, all the other all the other things and I suppose that plays into the hand of somebody who's you know, at times preying on that sort of situation to evolve itself into, yeah. When when you've got a story like this, which is kind of picking up on those themes about sort of abuse of power and so on, what are the challenges I'm involved, I guess, in sort of realising that on screen as, as a piece of entertainment? I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you want to, as we said earlier, I mean, it, it can so easily, these things, and unintentionally, like nobody sets out in this business to create something bad. You don't create, you don't set out to create bad work. Everyone has the best intentions going in, but sometimes along the way, wheels can fall off, things get misrepresented, certain cadence of scenes aren't hit, and that 
changes the trajectory of the show and it loses its tone or what was working for it. So I think that was always, it's in the scripts, it's in the writing from the very, very early days. You know, it always felt like a very finished product. I don't know, I don't want it to sound like it's a, you know, a commercial, uh, a material piece or something you buy in a supermarket, but it felt like a lot of the work had been done. We weren't coming on the show to figure things out or just let's see how this lands. Like it was all the, 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 the overall tone of the piece I felt on reading it sustained its way through to the end of us shooting it, which isn't always the case. Things change. You're like, you're in something, you're going, this is actually a lot funnier than I thought and or whatever. And things will just take a different approach. This always felt like the thing it was, um, which I think is always a good sign of a really solid story, um, a really well-crafted script. Um, so, and also felt you know, in, in immediately that we were in the hands of people who cared a lot about telling the story in the right way. Never felt like we were trying to do something that we shouldn't be doing or for like, because we use that word for entertainment purposes to dial this up and maybe a bit of this, a bit more of that. Or The story, Justine's story was the important, always the most important thing. Um, and that always felt like it was cared for. That was great. Thank you, Alex. That's going to be available on nationalworld.com as well. The full interview that you can read there as well. Okay, cool. Right. Stephen, this program you're going to talk about on Back to the Future, Con Men, I have never heard of before yeah. until you mentioned it. So t- tell us, I'm excited it's, it's about it. one of it. the most probably lesser known shows that I've done for Back to the Future. I wonder, I'm mm. wondering if Alex has even heard of this one, of Con Man. You, you have beaten me for once. That was completely... So let's give him a little hint. So the Con well, may I, stand for Comic Con... I, I did put that much together on my oh, own. God, so it's okay. actually like God, you're so clever. You're just so clever, Alex. <laughs> I did this to tie in loosely with San Diego Comic Con, which will be on when this goes out. And because yeah. I was, so if angry. any of the actors are working and going, etc., there might yeah. be no one there. Well, yeah, <laughs> they're they're actually, point, yeah, they have been asked not to promote things. I so oh, there you go. No interviews, yeah. no conventions, no. Oh no! Retweeting the podcasts friends. they appear on. Oh no. <laughs> Right, Damn, they're, they're, another missed opportunity. <laughs> okay, sorry, Stephen, on you go. So Con Man was a web series that came out over two seasons in 2015 and 2017. It was crowdfunded by the stars, and it stars Alan Tudyk, who is probably best known for playing Wash in Firefly. Um, and it also stars Nathan Fillion, who's obviously well known for playing the captain in Firefly as well as Castle in Castle. And they crowdfunded this show because it was kind of, a, I guess, a, pad- a passion project. And Alan Tudyk plays Ray Neely. Um, I think that's his name. And he's a a guy that used to star in this um, cancelled sci-fi series that was like a a big cult series that became really popular after it was cancelled and has like a big cult fan base at these Comic-Con uh, events and things like that. So he's obviously very much inspired by his time on Firefly, mm. which was obviously cancelled after one season mm-hmm. and became a massive cult show in the years since, and which also will appear on Back to the Future at some point Excellent. in the coming weeks. <laughs> so it basically follows nearly as he sort of deals with being a sort of like a has-been who has this, like these adoring fans, but they're like sometimes borderline obsessive. They only know him as his character. Mm. Um, They want him to sign 
all of their merchandise. Um, and then on the other hand, Nathan Fillion's character, who doesn't play himself in this, he plays like a different sci-fi star, mm-hmm. um, has become like an A-list movie star off the back of it. So there's sort of a little bit of envy there as well, mm-hmm. but they sort of maintained their friendship throughout. And then you also, you weirdly have like Leslie Jordan, who was in Will and Grace. Yeah. He's in it playing himself, but his character as Leslie Jordan is a straight man who pretends to be gay to to get women. Um, <laughs> okay. And you have Lou Ferringo, who played the Incredible Hulk in the original series. Oh. He plays himself in it. And Sean Astin, who... Anybody know Sean Astin? Yeah, he's 90s heartthrob. Samwise Gamgee in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he, he plays himself in this as well. And again, they have the similar issues. Like, everyone knows him as Samwise, um, but he seems to... So are they kind of on the circuit then? Is that the idea? or um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's sort of told through like, because it was a web series, it's like 10 to 15 minute episode mm. and each, are we still there? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. So it's like 10 to 15 minute episodes and there's 13 episodes in the first series and it's broke down into like four semi-self-contained story arcs. Um, and then the second season is 12 episodes long as well. Um mm. And it starts with nearly um, in the toilet at a convention and a fan at either side of him and they realise who he is and then like they start throwing things underneath the cubicle for him to sign and he just wants oh. to you know, crap in peace and it's, it's <laughs> sort of all of that thing. But, yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's interesting. It's not super funny. Mm. Um I guess there's a certain element of like, it's just that sort of cringy situation that those yeah. people are in where they're forever tied into these characters they've played because of the obsession around them. And yeah. they need to leverage that for, if they've not been successful since, for for money. And at the same, so it's a love-hate thing, isn't it? Yeah. That, you know, it's like, it's like being a big band and you get, you have to play the one famous song every time yeah. you play a gig and yeah. you hate it, etc. So Well, it's it's interesting because like Nathan Fillion isn't, you know, I wouldn't call him an A-lister, but he's definitely in real life become more famous than Alan Tudjik, I would say. Like mm. I would still recognise Tudjik more from Firefly than from anything else, maybe from Dodgeball. Um yeah. whereas Nathan Fillion obviously had massive success with Castle. Um mm. And he's been in a few more sort of bigger things. So it, it is interesting how he's like leaned into that to make the show. And, yeah. you know, he's sort of tongue in cheek, like accepted his station in life, I guess. How does it compare to like um, uh, staged and like episodes and stuff? Sounds like a similar kind of vibe. Yeah, it's mm. similar kind of thing. Staged, I think, is, well, staged probably had a lot more resources. I guess, and they're like more fleshed out episodes. And I think Staged is definitely better um, like, and just a better watch and definitely funnier. But the cameos in both are like really good. You know how like mm. Ross Kemp's cameo in Staged is like, and, and Ian McKellen's, like Sean, mm. As- Sean Astin and Lou Fringo and, and Leslie Jordan, they're great when they, they do their bits. So is it still only available online or where can you watch it? Amazon Prime Video. It got released oh. onto recently, I believe. Um, cool. But it is, it's on there now, yeah. So, and it was one 
series. Two of, series. Sorry, two series. Okay. Twenty-five episodes um, or two series. And it, and when what year was it made? Twenty fifteen and twenty seventeen. So it's done. You reckon finished? Oh yeah, yeah. Could, it probably okay. got cancelled. <laughs> It sounds different, so yeah, and very digestible in those kind of oh, yeah, um, sure. time um, lengths. So that's really good. Okay, thanks for that. And I'm sure anyone who's uh, interested in the uh, Comic Con um, goings ons would would see value in watching that. So cool. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for joining us this week, everybody. Do look out for Friday morning screen babble weekend watch, which will preview what to watch over the weekend and beyond. You can see screen babble over on the brand new Freeview channel. Shots. It's brought to you by a network of over 600 journalists transforming stories at the heart of your communities into great TV. You'll find true crime stories, football news and analysis, plus coverage of lifestyle, TV, film and much more. If you have any suggestions for what TV we need to get into our lives, drop us a line via our social media. You'll find us on Twitter at National World TV and on all other platforms as National World. You can also sign up for our wonderful weekly TV newsletter by going to nationalworld.com forward slash newsletter. Officially, officially, award losing. Oh no, don't say that. No, officially a nominated for a national award. Thank you, Alex. Moving on. We'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so we can reach as many TV lovers as possible. We'll be back again next week with more Screen Babble. Bye. Yeah.